Well, I'd like to welcome you tonight to Vision Baptist Church online. Uh, and exactly, exactly, uh, invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 10. Not exactly the most exciting thing in the world to be at church and have you at home, but I hope you will take your Bible and I hope you'll get your family and I hope you'll gather around and that we can uh, study something from the Word of God. Now, I'd like to say to you that uh, everybody's trying to get loans from the United States government going to own the country before it's over. And uh, our church, uh, we're, gonna, we're depending on God to take care of us. And therefore, he does that through you, his people. So I invite you to be careful about sending your tithes and offerings and taking care of all of our responsibilities. I sent you a letter today with what David Bois had prepared in the email. If you don't get that, you can contact the church office and uh, we will get you that, or you can contact me at wagardner at gmail.com, and I will make sure your name gets on that, on that list so that you can keep up with what's going on. Uh, my wife and uh, some others have just recently dropped their uh, uh, tithe check and mission support off at uh, the financial office, and you can do the same. You can email it. Uh, you can email it. You can't email it, but you can send it through your bank. You can use the new app, or you can... Um, you can send your check in through the mail. And so we're just asking God to keep things going for his honor and glory. And uh, you know, we are waiting. I had uh, talked to the sheriff and we had looked at having drive-in church on Sunday. That is still very much up in the air and very doubtful because of uh, the new stay at home that the governor has asked for. But if we stay at home, would you please stay at home and get your Bible out, study the word of God with us, and continue your walk with the Lord. Don't let things get you off track. Don't let things get you uh, uh, away from the Lord. Don't get caught up in everything else that's going on. Go with me, if you would, to Psalms chapter, the, the 10th Psalm, Psalm 10, and we're going to read the whole Psalm. This is an exciting, uh, of course, I like the Bible and you like the Bible, and that's what probably makes us Vision Baptist Church and sons of God and daughters of God. But in Psalm chapter 10, David is going to uh, bring up this wicked one. It's probably the Antichrist. Uh, uh, it's probably a prophetic thing. Now, David's not talking about the Antichrist. I imagine David's thinking about Saul, or he could have been talking about Absalom, but it's pretty obvious. I think maybe he was talking about Saul. But everything he says will be true about the Antichrist, who will soon be revealed uh, right after Jesus comes and takes us out of here. The church of Jesus Christ eagerly awaits a rapture, a time to leave this world and go to be with him forever. And you can study that out in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. You can study that in other places, and we'll get to that on another day. But read with me Psalm chapter 10 and verse 1. Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? God, why are you so far away from us? Why do you stand over there? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Why hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? The wicked in his pride doth persecute the poor. Let them and let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. Now, if you have your Bible, underline the wicked. 
And you're going to notice the wicked, that word's going to show up more than once. And the Antichrist is the wicked one that you'll be running into later. But this wicked here is somebody in David's life. But God has a way of saying to a, to a, to a psalmist or to a prophet, talk about this, but I've got another message in there. And we wouldn't know that till we got to the New Testament. Uh, Brother John was talking about the Bible Institute and how some of you are been on Zoom and you're doing such a good job on your homework. And uh, Brother John was talking, he said he told you that the New Testament was the best commentary on the Old Testament, which is exactly true. And so when you get the New Testament, you'll find out that rock that Moses struck was actually Jesus. Now, you'd have never figured that out in the Old Testament. If you'd have been in the Old Testament, you'd have seen Abraham and you'd have seen a pretty messed up guy. You got in the New Testament, you saw what God does when he makes a saint out of a person. If you've been in the Old Testament, you'd have seen a very wicked and vile man who would later be called just Lot. I don't see any just about him, but God does just lot vexed with, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. So read this, the wicked in his pride persecutes the poor. Verse three, the wicked boast of his heart's desire and blesses the covetous whom the Lord hateth. Underline the wicked again and notice uh, this wicked one, he brags on what God hates. That's pretty much a definition of wicked, isn't it? Verse four, the wicked through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. Look at this verse. God is not in all his thoughts. I'm not going to preach about that. But since all, this is all we do for church and we don't have a lot of singing, maybe I can take a couple of minutes. Are you thinking about God and all of this? Are you thinking about Fox News and a virus and all that and stuff? How much of your time, how much of your day, how much of your thoughts, how much when you're laying on the bed, are you laying there in fear? Are you laying there in faith? Are you laying there worried? Are you laying there trusting the God who ought to be in our thoughts? You ought to have him on your mind all the time. Verse five, his ways, that's the wicked guy's ways are always grievous. Thy judgments are far above out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he puffs at them. He just likes, who are you? I don't care about you. He has said in his heart, I shall not be moved. I shall never be in adversity. I shall never be in adversity. Go over, if you would, with me to Psalm chapter 10 and verse 1 again. Just go with me through that, if you would. Psalm chapter 10 and verse 1. The first thing I want us to notice is, his question is, where are you, God? And that could easily be what you could be asking right now in a time of question. He says, why standest thou afar off? Oh, Lord, why are you hiding yourself in times of trouble? Why is it that the wicked seem to prosper and God does nothing to stop the wicked when they prosper? Why doesn't God do something about all the sin and all the wickedness that goes on in the world? That's a common thread throughout the Bible. In Psalm chapter 73 and verse 1, Look at what he said. You, this is a very common, this is one you know, but read with me if you would in Psalm 73, verse 1. Truly, God is good to Israel, even as such as are a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well not slipped. David is having a massive problem again in Psalm 73 because bad people keep getting away with it. And he begins to think, we'll read some more of that, but he begins to think, well, maybe I'll not be the good guy here. Maybe, maybe it seems like everything's better for them. And maybe what I believe isn't really helping me when I'm in trouble. Look at him in Psalm 73 and verse three. I was envious at the foolish, the ones that don't know God. I was envious when I saw the prosperity of the wicked for there are no bands in it. When they die, they die easy. 
Their strength is firm. They're not in trouble like other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasses them about. They're proud and arrogant because everything seems to go their way. The money's going their way. Life's going their way. Violence covers them as a garment. They have more than heart could wish. Boy, everything's going their way. They're corrupt. And they speak wickedly concerning oppression. They brag. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens. Skip down to verse 11. They say, how does God know? Is there knowledge in the most high? Verse 12. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They, in, by the way, in the world, that's this world, they increase in riches. Verse 13. David said, verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain. I have wasted my time washing my hands and cleaning my heart. For all the day long, I got problems. He doesn't have any. All the day long, it seemed like God's disciplining me. Everything's going good for him, not for me. For if I, if I say, I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of the children. Verse 16, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me to consider how bad I had it, how good they had it, to consider how everything seemed to be working out their way and things weren't working out my way, how they had money, how I didn't have money, how they had prosperity and I was in failure. How does that work? Verse 17, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein. I went to the sanctuary of God and there understood I therein. It is a common thing for you and I to be caught up in this situation of where's God and what's happening and why doesn't God rescue us and why doesn't God wipe this, uh, this uh, virus off the planet? Why do, why, why do I not have a job and why aren't things going well? And we can easily get that way. But you and I never, ever want to think that way. We want to be the opposite of everything we're about to read. David starts off the psalm saying, man, I don't know where you are, God. And then he says, well, let me tell you about this really bad, wicked guy. Well, I don't want to be the wicked guy. I want to do the opposite of that. If the wicked guy does this, I want to do the opposite. The wicked guy never thinks about God. I want to think about God. You'll read that as you go along. Now go with me, if you would, to Psalm chapter 10 and verse 2. Psalm chapter 10 and verse 2. A very likely description of the wicked one in the book of Revelation, the Antichrist. Look at what the Bible tells us about this wicked one. The wicked in his pride doth persecute the poor. Let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. Before we go further in the verse and think about what that's talking about, would you underline his pride? Would you underline his pride? In pride, he feels that he can abuse those that have less than him. He plots to take advantage of people. And David wants him to fall into his own trap. But I want you to understand, God hates pride. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 5, everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination of the Lord. God hates anyone who is proud in their heart. And he will not be unpunished. See, pride causes us to believe in ourselves. And, 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 and we don't see our need for God. My pride makes me think about me and how good I am and how smart I am and how well I'm doing things and how much money I got in the bank and how when I walk down the street, I'm somebody. Pride lifts me up. Humility puts me down. Humility lifts Christ up and puts me down. 
Pride causes us to elevate our opinion instead of humbly accepting God's opinion. You realize that, it, you realize that if you're so smart, you probably don't need God. You realize if you're so smart, you probably don't need the things of God. You can put the things of God to one side. They're not that important. That's not what we need right now. What we need right now is my intelligence and my, my wisdom and my, my smarts and my street smarts. And I know Jesus is the opposite of proud. He willingly submitted to his father and he humbled himself to the cross. And just real briefly, can I tell you that some of the husband and wife conflicts that go on in a home is because the wife is like, no, wait a minute, you're nobody. Don't you think you get to be the leader? Well, Jesus was every bit as much God as God the Father was. And he willingly humbled himself and he humbled himself all the way down to a cross. The wicked is proud. But in verse three, this wicked, lawless, God rejecter gets what he wants and he wants what he wants. Psalm 10.3, the wicked boast of his heart's desire. And I just wish you'd meditate with me on verse 3 just for a second. Um, somewhere along the way as a born-again believer, I want to think about what God wants. I want to think about now what pleases God here. I don't want to say, you know, if I had everything I wanted, if I did what I wanted and I live life my way, that ought not be the way I think. I ought to be thinking to myself, what's God want? But the wicked guy says, hey, whatever I want, if I dream it, I can achieve it. I'm the man. It's all about me. And the wicked boasts of his heart's desire. And he blesses the covetous whom the Lord abhorreth. That's a powerful, really kind of a mean verse. The Bible says that the wicked one brags on what he has. He measures people by what he thinks is important. Everything is based on his desire. You see, he boasts of his heart's desire. He praises those that want things and want more. See, this wicked guy's walking around and he's like, so you know, check out my bank account. You know, check out the car I'm driving. You know, check out the clothes I'm wearing. The fact is, I like a beautiful wife, and if she doesn't keep looking good, I'll get rid of her and get me another one because it's what I want. It's all about me. That'll destroy a marriage. That'll destroy a life. I'll take you to hell, by the way. What does it mean to be covetous? It says in the verse here, this wicked man blessed the covetous. And it, then it says, whom the Lord abhorreth, whom the Lord hates. So the, so, this, uh, this, uh, the, this wicked man's like, I know what God hates. I don't care what God hates. I know what I like, and I'll brag on what I like, and I don't care what God thinks about that. So what is covetous? It is a desire. Oh, it's deep. A word study came right out of your Webster's Dictionary. It's a desire to or wish. It is to desire or wish for eagerly. It is to desire to obtain or to possess. It can be used even when you want your neighbor's wife. It's a symptom of the heart, longing for earthly things over heavenly things. Uh, I often heard Peruvians say, and I still hear young people say, that uh, the rich, they that will be rich, fall into wicked, to snare and all of that, and it's the root of all sin, and they honestly think it's those that are rich, and the Bible's got it real clear, it's the will be, and the will be is covetousness. It's the will be. You know, you could have a lot of money and the money not have you. You could have a little money and the money have you. It's really about your heart and your desire in that verse right there. God hates covetousness. God calls it idolatry. In Colossians chapter 3, 
He told them in verse 5 that they should mortify their members. And then he gives a whole list of very wicked sins. He says like fornication, uncleanness. And then he ends with this word that we've kind of, we would hate idolatry, but we would never say covetousness is idolatry. But God says covetousness is idolatry. Covetousness, which is idolatry. It's me longing for that. Me longing for that when I ought to be longing for him. It is me hungering after that when I ought to be hungering after him. How often do we idolize the richest people of the world? We want to be like them, gaining all we can here in this world. We want to be like them, measuring our success compared to lost people who only measure this world. That's what happened in the psalm when David said, until I went to the house of the Lord, And I considered, due to his pride, the wicked, the lawless, the God-rejecter, will not seek God. Look at Psalm 10, verse 4. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance. Now, countenance is face. This guy's got a big shot look on his face. This guy's got a, I'm better than you, look on his face. This guy's got his nose up in the air. This guy's saying, I'm the man. I'm the man. He walks in a room and everybody knows it. And he's proud. He's got his nose and face up in the air because of the money he's got. He's got his face up in the air because of the things he's accomplished. But the real problem was, look at it. He will not seek after God. If I read that verse and I were you, it'd break my heart not to think I was seeking after God. Now, can, I, can we talk a little bit about seeking after God? Well, seeking after God is kind of like loving God. And to be blunt honest, loving God is obeying God. And, and you really can't seek after God without obeying God, but you can't obey God if you don't know what he says. And so if you seek God, you're going to have to know what's in this book here. And you've spent year and year and year after in church, but you've never read the whole Bible. You've never taken the time to say, if God wrote that big book, I ought to read it. And it's not that hard to get it read through, to be blunt honest with you. Somewhere around 12 to 15 minutes a day, and you can finish the entire Bible in a year. If you were extremely slow, you could still get it done in a half hour. Will you seek after God? The wicked will not seek after God. And the wicked says, God is not in my thoughts. I do not even consider God. I don't really care what God wants. So what does God think about what's going on right now? What's God's opinion about the decision I'm about to make? What's God's opinion about the way I'm treating my loved ones? What's God's opinion about how I manage my money? I don't care. I'm wicked. But you're not wicked. If you're a Vision Baptist Church member, if you're a child of God, if you're born again, Every day and every minute, it ought to constantly be on your mind. I wonder what God thinks about this. How's God feel about this? He, I seek him and I think about him. What he does grieves the heart of everyone who prospers. In Psalm chapter 10 and verse 5, his ways are always grievous. Do you realize that any time a godly person gets around this wicked guy, it's like, man, that just eats my lunch. This guy's got everything going for him, and he totally, he totally rejects God. This guy is so proud and so lifted up and so self-serving and so self-magnifying that he says in verse 6, I shall not be moved. I don't care if the plague comes my way. I don't care if a storm comes my way. I don't care if an earthquake comes my way. I don't care what God does. I don't care what anybody does. I know who I am, and I won't be moved. 
He knows he's blessed because of who he is. That's his opinion. And he says, I'll never be in adversity if you look at verse 6. Now, let me just stop and remind you. Uh, that's probably a pretty bold uh, accusation against whoever, whoever David's thinking about here. And these verses are like harsh, beyond any kind of harsh that you could possibly think about. And I really think that probably what's going on here is the Lord's telling us there's coming a guy someday who will rise up and say, I want to be God. I want to be like God. I want to be seated in God's place. I want to rule the world. I want to be worshiped. I want things to go the way I want them to go. No, I don't need to think about God because I am the little God, but he would never call himself that. And he'll think he can get away with it. He'll be the Antichrist. Look at Psalm chapter 10 and verse 7. This wicked, lawless, God-rejecter swears, deceives, traps, cheats, and lies all the time. Verse 7, his mouth is full of cursing, deceit, and fraud, mischief, and vanity. He schemes to take advantage of others. Just something for us all to consider. Every religion is of this wicked one. Every religion. Every religion around the world lies to people, lies to them about who God is, lies to them about what happened on the cross, lies to them about what God wants. And so they, they walk on their hands and knees to a, to a shrine in a city in Mexico, or they won't eat a cow because God doesn't want them eating a cow, or, or they beat themselves, or, or they think that they can just keep returning and returning until they turn out good. And there's a whole, who, who's telling them all that junk? Not the God of the Bible. It's that wicked one. He is scheming to take advantage. In chapter 10 and verse 8, he's lurking places and secret places, and eyes are privily set against the poor. He's like a sneak and a liar and a criminal, and he's just running around seeing what he can do to hurt people. In verse 9, he lies in wait to catch the poor. In verse 10, he crouches and humbles himself. And so what, but that's a false humility. He only humbles himself so he can trick people and mess them up. Oh. <clears throat> This devil does exactly that. False religion looks so pretty. It has good families. It has good morals. It, it respects all people. It humbles itself down. Uh, they humble themselves everywhere, but they're only doing it so that they can hurt people. Well, who's doing it? I think the wicked is doing it. The wicked one is doing it. You know, I think that's the Antichrist. I think that's Satan. In Psalm chapter 10 and verse 11, he says, this wicked one says, God is not able and he never will judge me. Only a wicked could think that way. Look at 10, 11. He that saith in his heart, God has forgotten. He hides his face and he'll never see it. You know where he said, they said that in his heart. You know, in his heart, he couldn't think about God. You recall in the same Psalm, in his heart, he couldn't think about God. In heart, he said, I really don't care what God thinks. But he said, when I do think about God in my heart, here's what I know. He's a loser. What I do know is he has forgotten. What I do know is he round up the world and threw it out there to let it work itself out. He says, God's not watching. God's got his eyes covered. I'll see no evil. I'll hear no evil. Uh, he, he said, God will never see it. The wicked, lawless, God-rejecter really believes this world is all there is. It's all we got to live for. He lives for himself, and he never considers God. 
He says in his heart, there is no God. I shall not be moved. I shall not fail. Check me out. I'm a winner. If there is a God, he doesn't see me. If there is a God, he will not judge me. If I don't look out for me, who will? That's the wicked guy. So David started off and he said, man, my heart's breaking. God, why don't you step in and stop this ridiculousness? He said, God, do you see the wicked guy? Here's what the wicked guy looks like. Here's how he's proud. He doesn't think about you. He only thinks about himself. He's here to abuse and hurt people. The thief has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so in 10, 12, David says, that's it. I've looked at the bad side long enough. I'm fixed to ask God to do something. Look at chapter 10 and verse 12. Arise, O Lord, O God. Lift up the hand and forget not the humble. I wish you'd just focus on, oh Lord and oh God. You see, David was like, oh, wait a minute. I'm not the proud one. I can't be all that lifted up. You see, I'm a nobody and I'm a nothing and I need God and God made me and I'll be judged by God and I'll serve God and I'll think about God and it's God. The other guy's like, hey, I don't, nobody will ever bother me. Nothing will ever go wrong in my life. And David says, arise. God, get into action. God, stop the wicked guy. God, move. And please don't forget us. David is frustrated that God doesn't seem to move. He wants God to show his great power. He wants God to remember the humble and the obedient and the people that trust him. Why does God do nothing when these wicked people talk like they do? You know, David's over saying, God, look, did you hear that big mouth? Did you hear how he doesn't think about you? Did you hear how he doesn't think he has to do any of anything you got to say? Did you hear that? Chapter 10 and verse 13. Wherefore doth the wicked contemn God? How come he looks down on God? How come he can get away with putting you down, God? He said in his heart, thou wilt not require it. God, you will never make me pay for it. I'll say anything I want to say. The world we live in is just like that, isn't it? And David knows that God sees and judges. So in chapter 10 and verse 14, David said, I know you've seen it, God. And I know you behold mischief and spite. And I know they will pay. Psalm 10, 14. The poor commits himself unto you. And you are the helper of the fatherless. So he's got this poor people. See, that other guy's rich. And he likes other rich people. And he's only thinking about riches and The problem wasn't the riches. The problem was uh, that he wanted the riches when he should have wanted God. If God gives you riches, that's okay. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, it says, Seek ye first kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added. God can add, but you you never seek. You seek the kingdom of our God. But there's, there's some people that are fatherless. They have nobody to protect them, nobody to help them. They're poor. And he says, oh God, verse 15, break the arm of the wicked and the evil man. Seek out his wickedness till you find none. God, please move. Come down here and break his arms. God, stop him. Bow his neck. God, keep him from doing like that. Because I know who you are. Verse 16. That Lord is, the Lord is king forever and ever. The Lord is king forever and ever. The heathen are perished out of his hand. The Lord is king forever and ever. Now, David says, I, I don't know why you're not stepping in here. It seems like that wicked guy's really prospering. 
and I wish you'd do something about it. He says, you'll never do anything about it, God. But I know something, God. You will win. You are the king forever and ever. I know the heathen, the pagans, the God rejectors, and the wicked, they'll lose. Those that reject God, that wicked one, the lawless, no longer live on the earth. Chapter 10 and verse 17. You have heard the desire of the humble. God, David believed that God heard and answered prayer. And he knows that God will set everything right. Chapter 10 and verse 18. God, you will judge the fatherless and the oppressed that the man of the earth may no more oppress. So for hundreds of years, even thousands of years, things have been going on and man has acted like God doesn't matter and God doesn't, he'll never step in and everything. But David knew something. God will step in. And God will set up a kingdom, and God will rule, and God is real. So what do we take home? You're not the first to be frustrated that the wicked prosper. It, it's, we're not the first ones that have to realize, boy, people that don't do right, they just do fine. You're not the first. But you need to look at this psalm and say, I don't want to even have anything associated with that wicked guy applied to my life. I don't want the pride in my life. I don't want the covetousness in my life. I don't want the not thinking about God in my life. I want to, I want to get the right attitudes. I want to get the right heart as a believer. Let's seek God. Let's honor him. Let's let people that know us know that, man, if you're not careful, you break out in a song. If you're, not crave, if you're not careful, verses spill out of your mouth because you just are so full of God and you think about him, you're full of the Bible. To seek God means you're going to get in his book. I mean, people often say to me, I wish God would speak to me. And I'm like, well, he did right there. He did a whole lot of speaking. Maybe if you'd listen, humble ourselves before our God to avoid all pride. And here's a good one. Be careful with money. It'll take your heart. God hated covetousness. It's listed in the verses with the worst stuff. That's why we're givers. That's why we tithe. Because we, uh, we, we, we hold that money in our hands like John did as our treasurer years ago. And he said, you tell money what to do. You don't let money tell you what to do. You make a decision. I want to honor God. I want God to be honored. And everything I have, God gave it to me. You see, if, 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 if you're the wicked one, you think everything you have, you got it. But if you're the right one, you think everything you got, God gave it to you. The one guy never thinks about God. The other guy thinks about God all the time. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what the next step is, even in our country. But I know this. We know God. He is still the God that rules forever and ever. He will win, and we will trust him. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Could I just ask you, well, wouldn't it be a good time to help your kids learn how to read the Bible? You know, maybe start... In, a, in the Gospels and some part of the New Testament, maybe take the big Bible stories of the Bible and read them at night with your family, but teach your children. It's not about, there's, there's nothing magical about the book. It's the Word of God, and so it's, it's of no value to you if you don't know God. And when you want to know God, you want to know this book. So I get saved and I know God, then I want to know more about God. So everything I know about salvation came from this book, and everything I know about God comes from this book, and every day I still want to seek Him. I want to know Him. I want to know more about him. I want to know what he thinks. I want to know what's important to him. I want Jesus to be on my heart all the time. Thank you very much for being with us tonight. I'll have a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. I think I went a little longer and I've been going. 
Uh, I'm already excited about Psalm chapter 11 for Sunday morning. And so I hope you'll read Psalm 11 and be ready for it. Sunday night, there will be a uh, men and women split session fellowship like we do at the church, except it'll be done uh, through uh, Zoom. And uh, so Trent will be on there with the men, and I'm not sure who'll be with the ladies, but you'll see that and figure it out. You'll get some emails about it, and there'll be some Facebook messages about it. And then I'll be back with you again on Thursday night out of the book of Psalms. But here's what we do. We focus on our Savior. He is everything. He's what we think about. He's how we keep doing our life. Father in heaven, I love you. And I thank you for the chance to serve you. And I pray your name would be glorified and magnified. And I pray, God, that you would continue working in our lives. God, take care of our people. Take care of them. They've been in cabin fever for a long time. And some of them are working jobs that are risky. And they're in hospitals and they're working there. I just pray, God, you'd show yourself and show your power. And I'll give you praise for all you do. I love you. And thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.